Hi, this is Nicole DeLarzac, and this is The Pricing on the Cake. Welcome to The Pricing on the Cake, the podcast that's all about growing a profitable business confidently. Today on the show, I am honored to have our special guest, Nicole DeLarzac. Did I get that right in the pronunciation? That's right. Yes, thank you. Oh, perfect. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Um, First of all, would you mind just introducing yourself to our audience? Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I've listened to your episodes and I just love the concept. So thank you. I help women grow and launch a product business. I really see that launching and growing a product business can be overwhelming and also feels like a mystery to a lot of people. And I really believe it should be easier that anyone can do this. Anyone should be able to do this. So my mission is to help women with a product idea, launch and scale so they can have a business that gives them time freedom that they deserve. Awesome. I love that. And I love that you're so mission oriented in that as well, in terms of like helping uh, women achieve their dreams with the product that they want to launch. Um, And I'm really excited about this conversation today because that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about, you know, coming up with a product that's actually going to sell. Uh, you know, that is actually going to be successful. A lot of my listeners are service-based businesses as well. So I'm hoping that some of the insights and principles you share are applicable to to both sides. Would that be right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Either service-based or product-based can launch a product business, but also some of the business principles will apply to both. Awesome. All right. Good to know. That's awesome. Um, So first off, tell me, like, why is it normally so hard to, to come up with an idea that's actually going to work? Mm, yeah, it's, it's really, okay, sorry, I have to think about this. Yeah, no, that's okay. That's fine. I kind of just launched you on, on that one. Okay. <laughs> uh, why is it so hard to come up with an idea? Okay. Yeah, it, it can be a struggle for some people to come up with an idea. It's actually, I find it two, two things. I find either that people can't come up with an idea or they have too many ideas and they don't know what's going to work. So in the first case, I help women come up with a product idea and we go through a step called ideation where we look at different ways to brainstorm a product idea. And the first thing I'll say is to help solve a problem that already exists in the world. So identifying a problem and making sure that your product can solve it in some way, that is like the winning products follow that solution or or formula. And so that's the first thing I'd say when in terms of coming up with ideas. And there's so many other ways to come up with ideas for launching a product. The other ways are to look at trends out there in the market and there's Mm -hmm. different resources for that. But I mean, COVID as an example has brought about so many trends not some that you know we don't want yes yeah but um but really like things like self-care are really growing Mm -hmm. and uh and actually the number one selling product forecasted for this year is these peel off masks in shopify oh really (laughs) yeah so it's hilarious but self-care has really become a thing and so we see like you know candles and soaps and really getting back to those kind of like calming, soothing kind of products. And it brought a bunch of different services like food delivery that we probably wouldn't have thought of before, but now we are thinking of. So just looking at product trends and what you could do to either capture a trend 
or even start a new trend. Okay. And then another way is to interview your target market or even your customers and find out what they want. So if you have a business, you can interview your customers or interview your target market, discover their pain points and address them. Hmm. Um, and also just also improving an existing product and, you know, just either making yours different or better. You don't actually have to invent something totally new. Hmm. So that, those are different ways to come up with a product idea. And then the other thing is if you have too many ideas, <laughs> you really want to narrow it down and different ways to do that is, well, one is to actually test it with your target consumer. Mm -hmm. And that is the most important step I say for people is to make sure you get feedback before you go into all the stages of product development, because feedback is so important. And when people skip this step, I really see that their ideas just don't go ahead or they're really taking risks. Yeah. So those are a couple of, of ways to to make sure that you are coming up with the right idea. Yeah, I absolutely agree with, um, you know, testing the product or service idea in the market and getting that feedback from customers. And I'm always telling people that they should be, you know, insatiably curious about their customers and what they think and how they feel and, you know, what they value because what they value is where their money is going to go. Um, in terms of, you know, for, for let's say for women who are starting out or maybe in the early stages of their business and they have their product or service idea and they want to test it and get feedback from their target market, but they, you know, they don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars to go and do focus groups or, you know, massive big surveys and things like that. What are some ways that, you know, someone who's just on their own could actually go out and do similar sort of testing? Yes, for sure. Well, technology has made things so much easier and less costly for us. For us as like the normal everyday person, you can just set up a Google form. It's a simple Google form. It's free and you can set up a full survey. And we actually do that in a course that I teach. We set up a Google form survey with different concepts and we test different questions like mm -hmm. how likely or how likely is it that you purchase this product? Um, what are the things that you like? What do you dislike? And you can get like a ton of feedback from just a simple survey. Mm -hmm. So that is one way to do it. Another way is to have focus groups and interview your target market. So maybe just even over Zoom, because I know that we can't get together now, but have a yeah. Zoom focus group and ask them a bunch of questions and really probe and make sure you do have a bunch of questions that you are kind of asking. That's what yeah. like a, a typical research moderator would do. They would have a full questionnaire. So really know what you're trying to get out of your research before yeah. you just dive in and ask questions. Um, but those are two ways and they're free. So yeah, definitely you can, you can do it on your own. Yeah, sure. And you mentioned before that, you know, one of the reasons it's so difficult to come up with a really good idea is because, a lot of people have way too many ideas and um, I know I've definitely been guilty of this from time to time in terms of just having so many ideas for things that I want to do, but we have limited time, right? So how do you normally recommend your clients to narrow down their ideas? Yes. Well, one way, as I mentioned, for sure is through research. Mm -hmm. We typically have, we start wide. So we brainstorm a ton of ideas and then we start to narrow down those ideas based on just small things, not small things, but just like some qualifiers, like, is it feasible? Is it something that I could actually launch? Because you're not going to just, you know, 
develop a new car if you don't have the funds yeah. to develop that, right? So that's just one, one thing you want to tick off that list. <laughs> and another is, are you passionate about it? And mm. that is so important because, gosh, like you're going to be working really hard and you'll be spending a lot of time and there will be things that kind of get in your way and obstacles. So you want to make sure you're truly passionate about whatever it is you're doing. Mm. And so you are kind of, it's kind of your baby now, right? So that is another sort of measure that we look at. Another one is, is it scalable? So Mm -hmm. is it like something that you're making and you are trading your time for money kind of thing like as a maker a lot of makers tend to start like that but eventually can you outsource the making of it can you hire other people to make it and that is super important because you want to build a business that you can actually scale oh yeah so an example of this would be a cake maker like a cake decorator can you teach other people to do the same thing you're doing or do you have to do everything yourself so just really looking at that and another thing is I like to teach my students or my clients that it's very important to have repeated purchases. Mm-hmm. So is it a product that people will buy over and over again, or will they come back to your store for other things? Because if not, it's very expensive to drive customers to your site and to sure. get that first purchase, to get the website traffic and whatever. So you want to capitalize what, on whatever customers come So I like to look at consumable products for that reason, or even things like subscription products, things that people will buy over and over again. Yeah, definitely. And then lastly, lastly, um, when we're just kind of paring down the ideas, then we just go down the list and, you know, how sort of gut check on, is that something I would purchase? And then also Mm -hmm. get some feedback from other people as, as it as to whether or not it's something they would purchase Mm -hmm. and then once we have sort of a narrow list of ideas we get into concept testing where we fully test those ideas and that requires a written description of your idea and the benefits and the price and etc as well as a photo or a picture some kind of image that would show what it would look like so that they can really understand it and we test for things like you know likability Uh, How much would they pay for it? What would they improve? And all that kind of thing to see if it's actually something they would buy. And then from there, we pick the best concept or best one or two and we go forward and we refine it and so on. So it's really kind of a process of going from big to small. Awesome. Oh, no, I love it. I I love the um, like the steps in there. They're all very clear and and that makes sense as well. And I think, yeah, no, that sounds awesome. Um, I'm just thinking too, like, because I know that um, I know a lot of my listeners are people who are, say, in the first few years of running a business. A lot of those women as well are women who've come with no business experience. Um, What would you say to a woman who's, say, you know, either just about to start or has just started her business and she doesn't have a lot of business experience or hasn't run a business before, um, but she does, you know, want to create a product or a service that she wants to scale. Um, is it still possible to, to have a successful business? Yeah, absolutely. Actually a client of mine, here's an example. She is a physician and a mom of four. So oh. you can imagine how busy her life is. Yes. <laughs> I don't girls. want to imagine. <laughs> I know. And so she launched a business during COVID and it's called Stainless Sea if you want to look it up. Um, it's really cool. So 
yeah, she launched a business and she has been doing really well, just like under sort of educating herself on how to, to launch the business. And then we've been working together on different strategies. So definitely it's possible. You will have to educate yourself more. So, you know, it might be worth if you are in that position to get some help, Mm -hmm. either hire a coach um, or you can hire an agency or whatever it is to have Mm -hmm. someone who's kind of done it and been there is very helpful because there are things you may not be as great at doing like social media is one of that outsourcing certain things like if you're not great at social media hire somebody to do your social media whatever it is get some help because uh, there's so many different facets facets to launching a business and to growing a business as you know right yeah no i couldn't agree more i think outsourcing as well just gives you back so much capacity and when you hand over the things that you're not really that great at to someone else who is an expert and can do it so much better it's the biggest load off your back um as well uh and you know having a team i think um things are a lot better in business when you have even just one another person to do things with and just bounce ideas for and, you know, to check all of those ideas that you've got, you know, if you've got a list of 10 things that you want to try or test or that, it's really helpful having someone else that you can, can talk to about that. One thing I heard you say before was, um, you know, one of the things that you test is, uh, you know, for how much would they pay in terms of the pricing and that. So I'd love to chat a little bit about that now. Um, What can you tell me about, like, how you test for willingness to pay uh, in those sort of concept testing phases? Sure. Yes, I'm speaking to the experts, so I'd love to know what you think. (laughs) Yeah, so, well, what we do is, it's a really basic concept, so the concept will describe the features and benefits and where they can buy it, what kind of varieties it comes in, what size, etc. And at the end, we always have, like, regular price, recommended price, and feature price. Sometimes it has feature price. So it's like the regular price, and then feature price is when it's on sale. And so typically what I tell my students is to look at competitive products and also think about like how much people are willing to pay for that product. Mm. And I know you talk a lot about that as well. Like it's value-based pricing. It's what, what do mm. consumers see as the value of that product? Yeah. So once we have everything on the concept, I tell them to look at competitive prices for one, but also to think about how much their consumers would be willing to pay. And I know that you're a big believer of that too, which is about the value. What is, what is the value of the product in the consumer's mind and not necessarily what is the cost to make the product? Mm-hmm. So we, we look at that. And then when we ask about the pricing, we, we ask a question like, Oh, now I'm trying to remember what the price is. <laughs> okay, that's all right. Okay. So when we ask the question, we get feedback from people as to whether or not they think it's in line, it's what they would expect or more than the, what they'd expect. Or some even say that it's great, in which case sometimes we think, okay, maybe the price is a bit too low. Mm. And so then we adjust it from there. So it's just really about testing their, like just gauging their willingness to pay at that point. And then once we do more of a prototype test is when we would get deeper into what they think of the price at that actual product that they can touch and feel and see what would they think of the price should be at that point. Sure. And do you use um, like Van Westendorp questions? For the pricing questions. That <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. So, um, so Van Westendorp is, is four questions to basically, um, you know, ascertain things like, 
you know, willingness to pay, price elasticity. And the four questions are oh, now, now I'm going to test my expertise here. So the four <laughs> questions are, um, you know, so you've, you've presented the product to them. And this is generally a product that doesn't have any competition because these questions and the results the resulting numbers and stats don't uh, take into consideration competition. But the four questions are basically at what price would you find this product to be uh, so expensive um, that you wouldn't consider buying it? Um, at what point would you consider the price to be quite high, but not inhibitively? So um, at what price would you think that it is uh, price low as a bargain, but it's, you know, it's not going to stop you from buying it. And at what point would you, at what price point is this product, price so low that you would question its quality and you wouldn't buy it. So out of those wow, four responses, okay. out of those four responses, you'll get kind of a, a general willingness to pay. Um, as a lot, it goes a lot more in detail. And it's a lot more advanced than that. Um, but uh, I, I, I tend to stay away from the, the very intense side of things. Um, okay. But yeah, it does give a really, really good indication of willingness to pay. And if you ask that question enough times, uh, you get a really good indication of your overall target market's willingness to pay for a product or even a feature you can do it for features as well so you could um have one group of people where maybe your product has feature a and then another group of people looks at a product with feature b and then you do the willingness to pay questions with each of them and then you can test and see oh people who saw feature a had this willingness to pay whereas people who saw feature b had this willingness to pay and you can compare and do those sorts of things but yeah i was just one i was just curious as to whether you guys had those sorts of questions in your um no your but i'm testing. definitely gonna look at that <laughs> yeah no yeah it's, it would um, get that link from you yeah definitely yeah then then western door it's a lot of fun okay. and then another one is conjoint analysis so you know if your yes, students yeah yeah so i think um yeah for a lot of people who have like product businesses and especially if they're going into something like soaps or candles or that conjoint would be a really good one because then you can test things like you know the smell of the candle how big it is the color you know as well mm. as the price um and you can right. see like what features people care about the most as well as the price that they care about the most so right okay. okay cool yeah no i mean typically we we don't do sort of like the more paid um research so something like a conjoint would probably be a paid research but unless they would want to but yeah uh, yeah yeah unless you yeah if you if uh you know you have a large enough customer base then it's then it's doable like yeah you're definitely mm -hmm. not going to get the same kind of results as if you ask like 50,000 people um but if you have right. a large enough customer base and and they're willing to do you know, a survey with, you know, a dozen questions mm -hmm. in it, then, you know, yeah, it's definitely yeah. doable. Where do you normally okay. recommend cool. your students find the people to either do the focus groups or, you know, the Zoom interviews and things like that? All the surveys. Yeah, no, I, I give them options like they can pay for the results and, and if they don't have, you know, the group to test it with, uh, there are that there is that option or I tell them to find people in in your target market that are either recommended to you or from your network. And I know it's not ideal to have people that you know, but sometimes that's what they, they need to do. Yeah. And these are people that are just starting. So I typically find that that is kind of the, the way that they typically go rather than buying a group to test with. Yeah, sure. I'd love to, I'd love to finish up by asking you, you know, what, what advice would you give someone who is just bringing a product or service to market and they're not really sure, you know, how they should price it? You know, what sort of pricing advice would you give them or value advice would you give them? 
Right. Yeah. So I think the same thing that I mentioned is really looking at the value of what consumers are willing to pay and also to think about, well, how much margin can they make from the product? I know we don't want to think about costs, but if they're bringing something to market, they they need to be making some margin or else it's really not going to be viable. So I say at least a 50% margin, which is going to give them the ability to eventually they're going to scale their business and be able to have a, a bigger margin so they can sell to wholesale. But having that is going to allow them to invest in their business, to be able to sell to like retailers if they want to mm-hmm. eventually. So yeah, that's one thing to think about. Um, but definitely we we look at the value of what's out there versus competitors and and sometimes it's a bit of a trial and error they might start with a price and change it eventually so the a lower price and then realize well no actually i have to increase it because i'm just not you know getting the the traction that i want with that so yeah just it's kind of it's not set in stone forever and ever Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, I think um, I think most businesses, especially in their first year or so, will change the price probably a couple of times as they kind of like figure out what um, what the right point is. I'm really glad too that you mentioned profitability because I think a lot of people, you know, who are starting out, don't really think of profit as something that's that important for them. Um, but like you said, profit is incredibly important because it allows you to invest back into your business. It's going to be the thing that allows you to grow and you know, it's a big part of why your business will be able to stick around for the long haul. You know, if your business isn't profitable, then it's not going to grow and it's not going to take you anywhere. So yeah, I'm really glad that you, that you mentioned that. Oh, thank you so much again for coming on to the show today, Nicole. This has been a really cool conversation. Yeah, it's been a great conversation and I can't wait to have you on mine as well. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm so excited for that. Awesome. So that is all done. Don't forget, you can find more free resources either on my website or my free Facebook group, The Pricing on the Cake. Nicole, if anyone wants to get in contact with you and find out more about your course, how can they do that? For sure. You can just head on over to NicoleDelarzac.com and you can either book a time to have a call with me and just chat about your product or product idea. Or you can also email me at Nicole at NicoleDelarzac.com. I'm on every social platform at Nicole Delarzac. And you can also listen to my podcast if you just want to figure out, you know, whether or not you want to launch a product business or learn more about product businesses. That's the Productpreneur Podcast. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Nicole. And until next time, I'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thank you.